He sent me a meme that says, her, let's role play tonight. And he says, okay, I'll be the United States government. And she says, and I'll be the citizens. And he says, oh, you're going to get so fucked. Oh my God. So true. Welcome to today's episode of Stop Signs Are Optional, where Black Lives Matter. We are taking a pause from our normal subject manner and providing space to discuss the Black Lives Matter movement, to honor George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Tamir Rice, and countless unnamed Black innocent victims. Today is actually the two-week anniversary of George Floyd's death as we are recording on Tuesday, June 8th. That's crazy. I can't believe it's been two weeks. So much has happened in two weeks. Yes. And yeah. And to the Black community, we just want to say we see you, we hear you, we feel your frustrations, yet we have no idea what it's like to live your fears, your frustrations, your pain. And we're not trying to pretend like we do. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, Allie and I are white women. We never have and we never will experience racism in our country. That means we are not and could not be experts on this matter. However, we do feel like we can act as facilitators. With that being said, today, the hoe and the housewife are stepping aside and are here in support and providing a platform for the right to life. Mm -hmm. So, hey, Allie, welcome Hi, I'm so glad to be back and especially on a about a crazy important subject right now. Always. Absolutely. And we just like to say that we did have a guest that was meant to be on the show today and if he is able to call in at some point, we will have him jump on in. Mhm. Until that happens, we will um, hold off on those introductions. Yeah, he's on the completely opposite coast, so I'm sure everything got a little bit mixed up. Yeah, never know. But this is still important to talk about and have two white women talking about it. Yes, and so that actually brings us to, brings me at least, or us back around to some of the conversation we already had pre-show. We, you know, we recognize 100% the white savior syndrome, shall we call it? Mm-hmm. And we are 100% not here to be a white savior. No. We are here to be supportive and to stand beside, behind, wherever the fuck you guys want us, mm-hmm. and where we'll be. We just wanted to take a step back from sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And... um talk about our experiences. Um, We welcome, you know, the input of anyone else's experiences. And that's how we will be moving forward the next couple of weeks is we are going to create space for the Black community to come on the show and tell their story. And if you are someone that would like to come on the show and tell your story, please reach out to us um, through Instagram or through our phone number, which I should probably memorize because... Well, I don't have it memorized. I haven't, but it's 407-434-0493. And we will, we will hold space for you. We are happy to facilitate, co-facilitate. I can introduce you as our 
honorary guest and then I will shut the fuck up and you can talk the next 30, (laughs) 40, 60 minutes if you want. We are here to show up in whatever way you all want us to show up. So that is out there. Yep. Open call. Yeah. So we were just talking about how I went to a march and a protest in Tampa last Sunday. And one of my takeaways and one of my frustrations, there was so much good that happened and we're Mm going to talk about that. But I was so annoyed at seeing these white saviors trying to take the lead at these marches or take the lead at these protests and act like the non-white community, the black community needs us white people to carry them to the fucking finish line. No way. Mm -mm. I mean, they need us to support them obviously in any way, shape or form, but it's not our, it's not about us. It's so not about us, but you know what I just thought of Hmm. these. And that's not the first time I've had this thought, but it's just the thought I'm having right now on air is these are obviously some of the strongest motherfuckers on the planet. Yeah. Shit. Because of the shit they endure Every day, every minute of every day of their fucking lives. I sure Mm -hmm. should hope it's not every minute, but if it is, fuck Mm -hmm. strongest motherfuckers out there do not need Lindsay Jean coming Mm -hmm. along (laughs) to try and fucking carry them along. Right. They can just, I'll be like yelling accolades in whatever direction they want me to be. Well, that's what I was I was saying earlier. It's like, I'm ready to get uncomfortable. I'm ready to have conversations with people if they just show their ignorance and racism. I'm ready to call you out. And I was saying that I have fortunately haven't had to be put in that situation because I tend to not surround myself with people that are ignorant, but I'm it will happen because not everybody thinks the same way as we do, um, obviously. And you all know that you listen to this show because... um. I am a blunt motherfucker and usually <laughs> Allie kind of like keeps me in my place. <laughs> or I say stupid shit too. <laughs> yes. But there is never a time where I if like will just like not keep quiet when it comes to the right to life. Mm-hmm. Like for, well, okay. Skirt. I am pro-choice. But what I'm saying is, uh, yes. <laughs> what I'm saying is this is a human life issue it's not a it's not a fucking political issue no see i'm gonna contradict my shit in it like myself throughout this whole episode we do need to get out and vote it does need to have their systemic change is necessary i'm just saying people trying to belittle this to be something that it's less than Mm -hmm. is frustrating Mm -hmm. okay so Everyone knows that I'm not a quiet person. I call people on their shit. I get annoyed by people that try to bring other people down based on anything that's different about them. That's why this is like, we try to embrace people and their fucking weirdness. Mm -hmm. I will not embrace anyone if you're trying to hurt someone else. I've always said that's where my line is drawn is we can have different opinions. We can have different views. We can have a conversation. 10 minutes later, I might have sex with you. I don't know. <laughs> but if, if, you're, if you have a view that is a stance that is harmful to another human running in the other direction, 
after I've screamed words at you. Well, that I mean, you just said that, like someone who has different views on another human being. Like I was brought up, my well, my mom was brought up by her father. Cut us all open, we all look the same. So I was brought up that way. And that's what I teach my children that I take care of and I help raise. Because like I was saying earlier, if you reach out and touch someone with your eyes closed, you have zero idea what the color they are if you haven't seen them before, you know? Exactly. So it's like, hello. I don't understand why it's so hard for people to understand that. Oh, because they're the racism is ingrained in them so strong. The hate, the fear. I had... I had an epiphany. Sorry to interrupt, but I had an epiphany a while back. I was driving to this small town in Indiana because I was meeting someone to meet halfway from Chicago. But and my husband and I, Tom, everybody knows him, um, were thinking and talking out loud about how because we saw a bunch of Trump signs because we were in no man's land. We were in the country. And it's like, obviously, these people aren't surrounded by diversity at all. So they're going to grow up and they're going to continue generations of people to be so closed minded because they haven't had any opportunity to be open minded to meet other people of different races, different backgrounds, different religions. All they know is themselves and the people that are like five miles down the road. Girl, I have to say, I hear you. However, I grew up in that town. In the country. Yes. On the farm. But you don't and live I, there still. Thank fucking God. But I'm not racist. I like, know, but I, I'm saying, do you... So I think that at... I will say that I think children, yes. Like, I did grow up in a household and in a community that was very racist. And it took me into my 20s to truly grasp and understand that I had deep-seated values embedded in me that had... that that caused racist tendencies subconscious or not. Right. And you said be, that in a past episode, the one where your mom yeah. was on. Yeah. And I really had to take the time to listen and learn. Mm-hmm. And let me say, I am still learning. I am not perfect. As we all are. I am. I mean, this, the last couple of weeks, I've had so many moments of like, holy fuck, Lindsay, like mm-hmm. you've got some work to do. And And that's okay. Like, I Mm -hmm. think that that's like, as long as we're talking and you're open to learning and you're open to changing, but what I, this is my opinion. And this is what I believe is if just like, once you become an adult that raised in a racist family or racist community or whatever, that cop-out is no longer an option. It it, It can't be an excuse anymore. Nope. First of all, especially this day and age, when you have Facebook, social media, mm-hmm. the internet, we all know we're the same. And like, okay, so I have to say like other white people are straight up losing their fucking minds right now because they are not used to having their privilege questioned mm-hmm. or their privilege compromised and they are freaking the fuck out. Yeah. It is definitely our responsibility to say something like being silent is no longer an option. You in the episode with your mom, you were talking about how, you know, you were raised in that small town, but then like you had your mom who you guys, didn't you have a property that you rented out to like a a family that of a different race? 
and yeah. you didn't see color. Like, like the experience with your mom versus maybe the experience in your the country when you li- grew up or whatever. Yeah, with my dad. Was, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know if I should say that, but it was totally different because like your mom and your dad, like have very different views to this day. Totally. So it's like, I almost wonder if you stayed and with your dad, if you would have a different mindset. Yeah. I mean, you know, I can never say, I honestly, I honestly don't think I would, but I mean, that's such a fucking hypothetical who knows, Mm -hmm. but I definitely see people like on social media that I went to school with out in the country and they're still fucking like unable to see that this is an issue. They're like, um, why does it have to be a race issue? Fucking bitch. Are you serious? Yeah. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't, I don't get it. I really, I'll say that till I'm blue in the face. I don't get it. What do you, what do you not see that I see? And you know, I have some pet peeves of some things that have been out there like circling around. One of them is when people say all lives matter. Oh yeah. I know. Duh, Karen. Shit. But you know, there's that one TikTok I love where that girl was like, oh, we have to go save the houses on fire. And the woman was like, well, what about my house? And your is your house on fire though? Well, no, but my house matters too. Well, this house is on fucking fire. Right. (laughs) We have to take care of the things that are on fucking fire. Exactly. That pisses me off. I don't understand. It's like, yeah, fucking let's all like circle around this shit and support one another. Like I, I find it so frustrating how COVID had everyone's fucking attention. Legislation was in order like that. Mm-hmm. Yet gun control, when people are murdered, all of that shit, nothing happens. Yeah. Because look at our government. Or black people start getting killed. I'm sorry. Skirt. Not start getting killed. No, are yeah, being yeah. murdered again. Still- and it is captured on tape because imagine the shit that isn't captured on tape. It's so scary. I mean, oh my God. Yeah. My other one is when people say, I don't see color. I don't see color. I'm not racist. Wait, Fucking I see that bitch. sometimes though. Because I, you see I mean, color. Well, yeah. I, yeah, obviously you do. But it's, I think when I say that, it's more like, yeah, I look at you and I see if you're a different race, but like that doesn't affect me. I love someone said like, instead of like not seeing color, like see the color and like embrace it, embrace Mm -hmm. their, um, their culture and whatever, like embrace the fact that they should fucking have the right to live. Mm -hmm. And you motherfuckers out there that are talking about how George Floyd, this or that, first of all, don't go digging that motherfucker's past. Who cares about your past? If someone goes and digs in my past, y'all are going to have me fucking on death row. Dude, okay, those well, are the those are the same people that like get more upset about an animal being abused and killed than a human being of a different race. It is so annoying. Or they're like, "Oh, well, he potentially was doing some fraudulent act." Are you telling me that writing a bad check, which is not what it was, but this is just another example, should equate murder? Exactly. No. I, I did see though that that police officer, that dirty cop, is set on like one point two five million dollar bail. Fuck yeah. And he's being charged with second degree murder or trial for it. Yeah. Thank fucking God. Yeah. But like, let's not. And I also saw like somebody commenting, like, I'm not going to hold my breath because does it mean that he's going to be convicted? True. I mean, true. 
Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, we just yes, go so by, far. we're just, we're just, all we can go off of is from experience of what we've experienced in this government, in this world. And the other officers were also arrested, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Okay. Yes. That's, that's one. Yes. That's one. That's a big step, but like, that's not the ultimate, what, uh, what is deserved convict they're, these bitches. They're just taking action to do it. Maybe they they're doing it. I hope to God that they're doing it because it's right. But at the same time, we have to go by, I mean, Donald Trump is president. Like he got elected fraudulently. I'm sure. Can we but, not even talk about him? <laughs> I know he's gross. It's important too, but motherfucker. What I was going to say is like, thank God Like I was arrested. This is something that like most people in my life don't know about, but like I'm 33. Fuck off if you like judge me. But like I was arrested at Bowling Green for shoplifting (laughs) at the age of 18. And nothing happened. And literally, I mean, yeah, it was fucking ridiculous. And it was expunged from my record anyway. Yeah. And needless to say, like two weeks later, I also got an underage drinking ticket. I was arrested for that. Thank God I was white. Oh my God. Because who knows if they would have tackled me or what the fuck ever. Or I would have mm-hmm. gotten a, a, a stronger charge. I could have kicked. Like, so like, don't fucking come at this with he had a background or he potentially was doing this or that. Okay. That doesn't equal death. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. Ugh. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Sorry. I, it's so funny. I literally never have anything going on with work. And the one day that I have something like to, to talk about and actually. It's okay. We actually decided to go ahead and record the show. And we told listeners that you would be potentially or that a special guest would be jumping on. <laughs> okay. So before Allie and I have literally just been sitting here ranting about how white people are pissing us off, but also like reflecting on our own. <laughs> yeah. But also like, <laughs> do you feel that? Um, <laughs> Understandably so. Yeah. Um, and then also reflecting like on, like recognizing that we ourselves have work to do. Okay. Welcome back everyone to the Stop Signs Are Optional show. Today we have an important guest who, although has many credentials after his name, the only one that is needed today is a black man in America. Please welcome my old college friend, Micah Anderson, to the show. Welcome, Micah. Thanks for being on it. Hi. Thanks, ladies, for having me. So excited to have you. And Micah, I would love for you to, um, if you'd like to introduce anything more about yourself and maybe elaborate a little bit more on why you actually chose to only focus on this one credential. Sure. Uh, So I've actually done a a considerable amount of work in diversity and inclusion uh, as a facilitator myself. And so it's kind of interesting to be uh, in this position where I am now. Uh, So both professionally and personally, I have and often do uh, facilitate what we call study circles. So we have groups between 10 to 30 people uh, that are, we try to get them as diverse as they can be. So age range, uh, different ages, races, genders, sexualities, gender expressions, um, religions, that kind of a thing. And I often do work 
depending on the format or depending on the arena that we're in. So for example, if it's professionally, likely depending on which company I'm working with, we will end up asking the participants questions like, what are what are the access what are the barriers to access in your company? And like or what are the formal and more like less formal practices that you have that prevent you from success in this company um, or that help you get success in this company. So it may be things like maybe we say, oh well we like a certain look here. And it's like, okay, well what does that look actually look like? And then we kind of unpack what that look looks like and then we unpack the barriers that may come in, in place with that. So that's just a little bit of, of what I do kind of regularly in my work with people of different races and colors and that kind of a thing. Um, but I, I do think that what's most important for this conversation is just the fact that I'm a Black man, because what is most important, uh, unlike what I, what, unlike the facts of a situation, what's most important here is just being who I am. Uh, so no matter the life I've lived or no matter the differences that I may have with another black man, being a black men all feel the same, uh, no matter what our experiences have been, because we have a unique shared experience just by the like, by the fact of being black in in this country. So that's really the only thing that, that really matters with this conversation. Although my obviously my work in DNI is also very helpful mm-hmm. in this kind of capacity. Wow. So that's incredible. Thank you so much for for sharing that. Um, and to let listeners know, Micah and I actually know each other from college. And we haven't mm-hmm. seen each other face to face in probably 10 years. Um, however, yeah. Yeah. It's been, well, it's 2020. And so, yeah, I think it's been, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's years, crazy. Right? But yeah. it's so weird. <laughs> I know. So weird. But what yeah. is fascinating to me is I, and I feel this all the time with people, like with certain people is I still feel connected to people. Think, um, thankfully through like social media platforms yes. and other avenues. And I have felt that with you throughout the years. Um, and so it's so great to actually have you on our show and to connect and collaborate in this way. Um, collaborating towards, um, education and progression. Mm-hmm. And, um, Micah, you and I had, um, some brief conversations offline, in the last couple of weeks, which is mm-hmm. what um, really excited me, and I wanted to, um, I wanted to, to to allow a space. Basically, like I said in the message, I would love to just like say hi, wash my hands, and just let people um, voice whatever the fuck it is they want to voice. So Allie and I have been sitting here ranting about how annoying uh, white people are to us at the moment, and the white savior syndrome, we'll call it. Um, the white savior choice is what we'll call it. And my frustrations at the uh, march and, and, and protest. But I would love to hear what your experience, you said you were at a protest recently. Was it this weekend? Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I, I've been protesting. It's kind of like my hobby mm-hmm. these days, uh, which like it's kind of unfortunate yeah. that it has to be, but it also for me is very, is very cathartic. But I've been protesting uh maybe like seven or eight times since George Floyd's death, mm-hmm. which is two weeks ago today. Um and so yeah, so I'm like for most recently I was I protested yesterday. Before that, the day before that, the day before that, maybe I missed the day before that, but then I was before that I was going as well. So I've been uh pretty much on the pavement almost every day. Uh the thing that I want people to really kind of recognize and realize is that 
it has been a very a kind of heavy weight for everyone to bear uh, ever since we heard about George Floyd's death. And that weight that you are feeling, that new weight that may feel like it's so unbearable and so heavy to you as white people or as non-Black people is a weight that we've been bearing the entire time we've been here. So it's heavy and it is real and it's something that we can never put down. Uh, and I always kind of am accustomed to putting disclaimers on how I tell people what my experience is like being black and saying, oh, well, I don't want to be dramatic or I don't want to overstate it or I don't want to do that. And I no longer want, I want to mm-hmm. take those disclaimers off because I think that I've been socialized to sometimes feel like I'm always having to explain my position and not to seem as vulnerable as we are. And there's kind of, and we can get to this kind of later on, uh, there is this thing, uh, I'm sure it has a formal name, but there's this, this school of thought from a lot of white people that feel like black people can kind of take more than they, than they think most people should be able to take. And what that means is police will use more force with us because they think we're stronger than what we are uh, when it comes to the like medical community, they think that we, our tolerance for pain is higher than what it is. So doctors don't believe us when, when we say that, oh, this is an issue for us or something of that nature. And so the Black experience is one that is obviously, I would say, unique to the U.S. because race, race relations are, this is the only country where people still live that were actually slaves on the same, the same land. Uh, it, is, it is difficult every day. So the way that you're feeling is something that you're going to have to unfortunately grow accustomed to if you're going to be an ally in this fight for us because we're just welcoming you to the fight, but we've yeah. been in it for a long yeah. time. And and I will say earlier in the episode, um, I said something, I don't, Ali, I don't even remember how it came up about black people being the strongest motherfuckers on the fucking planet mm-hmm. because you all have been carrying all of this shit that I have no fucking clue. I mean, you said some things just now that the pain tolerance, for example, like holy fucking shit. Holy shit. Yeah. And yeah, there's so much that that white people don't know. And what I also think is very important is that it is no, it's not anyone's fault. Like, so white people are apologizing profusely these days, which I understand. uh, But just, don't apologize for not knowing because it's honestly not your fault. Like what you can do is educate yourself now that you know that you don't know. It would be sad for you to to become aware and then to turn. Yeah. No, it's not guy. sad. It's fucking irresponsible. Uh, and I, and I say, Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No. I, I mean, I, I guess I I would go as far as to say that too. I think I may have said to you before in a in a, a, a conversation we had prior uh, that it's so funny because again being Black in America, which I'm going to say a lot during this conversation, uh, being Black in America, I often will apologize for to a white person. Like, I will say, oh, I really want to help you. Or I really want to understand. Or I'll say, oh, don't worry. It's not your fault. Or I will continually find myself giving excuses to white people because I, I, could, I honestly do see how you could in this country be so ignorant because society has done a terrible job at telling you the real truth. Uh, 
But I also do think, like you just said, like at some right. point we are adults, right? And so if, if you do not get it now, it's because you've chosen to be like willfully ignorant in that way. So Well, and yeah. I mean, that brings up a thought that I've had and a feeling that sometimes I feel very guilty because I don't know everything and I don't know all of the facts and whatever, what you go through on a daily basis. And so like, this is the biggest thing is I want to educate mm-hmm. myself further. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's really important. Uh, the thing about it is in the education, there's so many different, there's really nowhere to start. Uh, there's really no blueprint. There's right. no, like, of course, course. So there's no one book you can read that will, that will tell you. And you never will know the way that we know, obviously, because right. you just are not black. However, I think one of the best tools that white people have as education, number one is Google, okay? Like, and I'm not being funny when I say that, use it. Like, if you're wondering something, someone else is also wondering it too and has already wondered it. So try inputting whatever your question okay. is, put it yeah. into Google. See what your source results are. See if it's a, if it's a CNN website, an MSNBC, like, like see what the experience is about, but listen to Black people right now. Like, it is so important for white people in this movement to not center Mm -hmm. themselves and to rally behind Mm -hmm. Black people. Listen to us. Do what we are doing. Mm -hmm. Follow our lead. And sometimes you have to ask, because I actually was having a conversation with someone yesterday during a protest, and we have, so I live in LA. Uh, June is obviously Pride Month. And so... For Pride Month, I live in West Hollywood too in LA, which is like like a very like openly gay area to, to be in and, and, and it's a very gay spot. Like the businesses that are that exist here. Well, because Pride has been canceled due to COVID-19, the Pride, I guess, committee decided, oh, we should have a parade anyway, but we'll just talk, we'll just turn it into a protest for George Floyd or and for Black Lives Matter. And I said, okay, that sounds like a great idea. Well, you cannot. That wasn't, they didn't ask the Black community, right? They didn't ask the Black Lives Matter movement if they could do that. They just thought it would be a good gesture on their own to say, hey, this is normally a pride parade. However, this year we're having a a parade that's going to be pride and Black Lives Matter, which sounds amazing. And it sounds so nice that they would include us in that. Well, what happens when you do not ask a Black person how you can support Mm -hmm. them before you support them is you go through the motions of organizing your pride parade and one of the, the issues with your pride parade is that you get permitting to have the parade. If, you, if you've ordered a permit for the city, that means that now you're going to have police presence. That means that you're, in, that you're intentionally upping the police presence because they are required to monitor any publicly permitted events. Now we have a plethora of police at it when, when right now Black people are mm-hmm. screaming, defund the police. It is the exact opposite of what we actually want our intended our intended. Um, impact to be, but that's again what happens when you try to center yourself and say, "I'm going to help yeah. you in this way." This is not the time. Be quiet. Like this is the time to ask questions. This is not the time to insert yourself somewhere mm-hmm. because that's what happened. So now we have this huge movement. We said, "Oh, we're going to have a parade on this day," and now it's like, mm, "We might not have it now. We don't know if we're going to have it at all." Shut the fuck up, white people. That is what I am going to say. That's the message. Because fuck. Step aside. Yeah, it's and it's bad. And it's like, it's it's so frustrating to Black people too because it's like, we have already 
the, I guess, for lack of a better word, the good white people that want to help, like, are probably so accustomed to, like you said, that savior complex, if you will, of coming in and saving the day. And it's more like we are a Batman and we're kind of asking you to be our Robin. Like, don't do anything with us. Ooh, I like that I like analogy. That. I like that a lot. Just, like, he looks to him for direction and then does what he says to do. That's really what we need right now. And it's because we, yeah. we don't have the power. Like, the, the power is not within our community. Otherwise, we wouldn't be have this conversation yep. right now. So at this point, we recognize, or really, we don't recognize, you guys recognize, be, being white people, that now is, I guess, hopefully, maybe, possibly, finally, the time for change mm-hmm. to really join the fight. I sure shit hope so. And I've said it before and I will say it again, but white people are straight up losing their goddamn minds because they are not used to having their privilege questioned and more so their privilege compromised, which is why when you have white fucking saviors coming along in these protests, you subconsciously do not realize it is because your privilege is being compromised. You are used to taking the lead. You are used to thinking that you can take whomever is not white or doesn't meet your standard and put them on your fucking back and carry them across the finish line. They don't need it. (laughs) Just fucking stand aside and be there. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't take a look at, like, also what works for you may not work for us. And so that's an example of how you can intend to do good, but it's really not about in- intention. It's about your impact. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, I'm, I may think that this is just, this is not related to, to race at all. Let's say we have a large homeless population in LA, right? Well, if I want to help the homeless population, I may say to myself, let me see what food I have to take to them because, because I want to just give, give them a meal from my, from my kitchen, right? Well, without knowing the homeless community intimately enough, what I don't know is that, number one, they have a lot of dental issues, so they can't eat anything that's very hard. And number two, they often are diabetic, and so they cannot eat anything that's very sweet, even though it was like grapes or an apple or anything like that. Those are all high in the glycemic index. Number three, uh, women often do not have menstrual cycles because they they live in stress. And so they haven't had cycles for years. So I can't give them, so we can't offer them things that you would think a house woman might need, like like pads or mm-hmm. tampons or feminine hygiene products. But those are things that you would know if you just ask the community first instead of trying to help without asking wow. first. But even after saying all that, it's a very thin line to navigate. Asking how can I help and then saying what can I do? Like, because you can't continue to keep stepping in and saying, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Because then the bit that again places the burden of of helping yeah. us on us. And again, we would have done that ourselves if we could, but we can't, but we can't. I love me some Lizzo. And she made a TikTok that okay. was, I loved it. And so I I I created through actually Micah, you inspired me and some other people on social media. I was going to make a video that was called Dear White People, but then I went online and like so many other people have already like made very similar videos. Um, But I wrote down and I wrote like some lists of things that I want that I personally am saying because I'm so sick of the white community um, just truly being ignorant to to a lot of this. But one of them was... Um, asking a a non-white person or the black community to explain white privilege or explain what injustice is to you. And she said, uh, made a TikTok 
And she basically said, like, there are Googles and there are books. Do your own damn research to educate your own damn self because it is not anyone else's responsibility. Like, the Black community is going through, has been going through so much their entire fucking lives. (laughs) Let's maybe not add to it right now, shall we? Mm Mm-hmm. It's out there. The the and, and I would like to point out that in the show notes to today's show, there are going to be multiple links for folks that they can click on of movies to watch, YouTube videos. Um, my personal favorite is Jane Elliott. I mentioned her early on um, at good old Adams State University. I was first love Jane, but but she I believe um, showed us that video in college and the. I have noticed recently that that has made um, her name, Jane Elliott, and a lot of her videos and the teachings of the kids with the blue eyes, brown eyes has been uh, really a really popular method of yeah. getting through to people right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, uh, and it's funny because all her videos yeah. are decades old. And, and here we are in the videos, they're just mm-hmm. so applicable. And at this point, there really is not a lot of new content that we have to give you because it's it's not new like it's it's not new it's been happening and where accountability and responsibility steps in is also recognizing that you've likely already knew this is a problem you just didn't care enough yet i wish more people could be in could be in that position and say hey and i and i'm one of them like i i am learning so much right now that and i have so much more to learn and i will never know what it's like to live but just say, like you have already said, Micah, just admit, yeah, I've done some shit maybe in my past. I've engaged in things that I shouldn't have. Admit it to yourself. But it, mm-hmm. if you're not comfortable admitting it to other people, just fucking do something to be better about it. And I feel like the only thing that's changed recently in the last couple of weeks is that white people are starting to actually feel guilty about some shit. And that's why change is happening. And, but like white people, can we just be like, can we just do this in a respectful manner, please? Because my girlfriend told me this weekend, she was out with her man at the clubs because they opened in Tampa Bay because we don't do fucking anything. Because it's Florida. 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 Yes. I've lived here a year and it's like the craziest people I've ever, the Florida man is like a real thing. Mm -hmm. Anyway, she said they were out. And her dude is a black man. And this white guy just ran up to him, gave him a hug and was like, I'm so sorry, man. This shit ain't right. This shit ain't right. I'm so sorry. While they're standing in line at the club and they don't know each other. Like you've just invaded, first of all, someone else's Mm -hmm. space. Let's just acknowledge that. And you're apologizing for literally nothing because you're all you're saying is I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry, man. Like, like that's on you, dude as the white man, like that, you're having some guilt right now and you're looking right. for this man to say, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's all right. Mm-hmm. No, no. Absolutely. That is not your position. Mm. Get it together. Yeah, and it's, and I don't even know where you guys are supposed to, white people are just inherently so entitled and so that I don't, I don't even know where you guys begin because White people oftentimes feel like the world is theirs. That's how you approach someone that you do not know and run up on them and say, oh, I'm so sorry. That's how you feel like that, that's something that you can do. 
because you feel entitled to it, because you feel like you live in a world where you can do that. As a Black man, I've never felt like I can run up to someone and just interrupt whatever they're saying, doing in a public space, and I just say, oh, I'm so sorry, man. What? I would, I would never think that. Like, I, literally, my brain wouldn't even get to the point where I would be like, oh, should I do that? Because I wouldn't, I would never. And that's called that. white privilege. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I thought. Right. Right. So sm- there, are, there are small examples of even things like that that are kind of white privilege in action, if you will. And- uh, just not even recognizing that this is not something that we can do. Like, so don't. And no, let's don't just do that. keep it relevant here and bring George Floyd back into the conversation because a white person, as I mentioned right before you hopped on, Micah, I was arrested at 18 for shoplifting. And as a white person, guess what I said to the judge? I'm so sorry. My bad. Okay, cool. Here you go. Or the lady that ran out after me. First of all, she didn't even run out after me. She calmly walked up to me. George Floyd, I'm so sorry. No. Are you fucking kidding me? No, he gets murdered. Like, that's the difference right there. Being able to have the privilege Mm -hmm. to say, I'm sorry, and then you being forgiven. Yeah, and or I I think the the biggest privilege I've seen uh, at least exhibited lately in this past like two weeks is white people. So I've been posting a few different statuses on Facebook and like I, I use my Instagram stories a lot. Uh, specifically now, I actually don't use social media a lot. Uh, I, I may consume it, but I don't often post content because I honestly don't think I'm that interesting. Uh, but when something is interesting, that's when I feel like, I'm okay, now I want to say something. And obviously this is, for lack of a much better word, an interesting topic to discuss, even though the, the nature of why we have to discuss it is obviously very sad. But what I've seen, so I've often said on Facebook or Instagram, something along the lines of, if you are white, you need to say something, right? Like I've said it in maybe more eloquent words or, or a longer post or something of that nature. But I've said, essentially, if you're white, you need to speak up. Like you need to open your mouth, type a post, publish it, put it to your story, put it to your feet, something. Well, I've gotten responses to those very statuses from white people essentially saying, no, I'm not going to do that. I've seen those and responses. Me, like, and I, and I think for someone to, for a black man specifically, right, to say, hey, this is what you can do to show up for us right now. And for a white person to respond and say, mm, well, that doesn't work for me. <laughs> is the biggest slap in the face. Yeah. Because this is right. this is not the time for that. Like, and it's like, you could have just shut up. You could have just kept scrolling. But the, because you already were privileged enough to not have to post it because it doesn't affect your community. So you're not, so, so you're just sad for us. Like how fortunate you are that you're just sad for us and you aren't actually sad for yourself because you aren't, you aren't in danger at all. Totally. But, you then come to a black man that like I, I went to, and I guess I'll come back to this like example, if you will. So what your, what your listeners should also know is that I view myself and I also didn't know white people view me as a palatable black man. So I am nice or, or I'd be, I'd be described as nice, kind, articulate, smart, uh, like energetic, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's because I've also seen how I had to be in being Black to be received by white people. 
so there's there's this term called code switching, which you which for anyone who knows, I'm not giving you any book definitions because again, whatever work you have to do, like you need to do it yourself. I'm not gonna give mm-hmm. you a definition yeah. for it. Yeah. But this, like it's called it's called it's called code switching. And so that's what happens when black people enter a white space. We do what we need to do. We do what we think white people want to see. Not we don't. We're not. We're no longer ourselves. Like we are, and it, and it may be marginalized or or small kind of degree of from who we actually are. But the point is that we're different, right? Like we put on a different hat. Uh, for example, I was talking to my white boss, right? And we have a very friendly relationship. Uh, this is several weeks ago before the George Floyd incident. This is just an example of code switching, which is what I've done literally my entire life. So uh we were having a conversation about something me and my white boss i was on speakerphone right and i have a black coworker. my boss says oh the black coworker that i have her name is sandra and she's the black coworker again uh my white my white boss says oh sandra is here too i so oh i say oh hey what's up sandra and then i say oops and i say to my boss did you hear that and she goes what and i go did you just hear me say what's up to her and she's like yeah i was like that slipped. Like I, I never forget the code switch, but I forgot to code switch for that minute because typically the way that I would introduce or say hello to somebody in a white environment is, "Hey, how are you? What's up? Good morning." Like it's a much more formal, if you will, approach to something. Whereas, like I'm more comfortable, inherently comfortable with, with black people, so I can just say, "Oh, hey, what's up?" And they know that I am still respectful and still articulate and still smart. And still kind, even though I said, hey, what's up? But to a white person, I must say, good morning. How are you? It's so good to see you. How was yesterday? Oh, great. I have to do all those things because that's what I have to do for them to listen to me. It's just those small things are really the burdens of being Black that we carry around all the time that we don't even recognize. Uh, it's, it's a weight that we've carried for so long that it's kind of like white noise. You know how you don't hear white noise in the background once it's there for so long? Those are kind of, I would say, the white weight, if you will, of that we've had to carry for so long. And it sounds fucking exhausting. Like, yeah, it is. That's why. That's why we love. That's often why we love to. Once we get home, or once we get back in our own like safe environment, it's like, it's like when a girl gets home and takes off her bra, Mm -hmm. like. Like, it's like, thank, thank you. Like, now I can relax. Like, the, I, can, I can just be myself. I don't have to worry about, like, being restrained in that way. And that's, it's, it's a similar feeling when it You know, when it comes my to friends that, that um, so, and I have to say, preface this with, I, my fucking ears perk up and my face gets a little squinty anytime I hear someone say, um, well, I have a black friend or I have a black boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. Like, here we go. Yeah. All right. Like, I get that. <laughs> Yes. Um, And I only say this um, to inform you, Micah, but an uh, ex-boyfriend of mine that I was with for many years was a black man and he was a Q. And so we'd go to a lot of Qs for folks I don't know. It's a a service community, um, lifelong fraternity. Well, well, hold on. Okay. So they need need to know that a Q is what what we call the divine Mm -hmm. nine. And so there's a divine nine and they are historically black fraternities Thank and sororities you. and so and they typically they almost only operate at historically black colleges as well and so that's how you are to become an omega um or a dog, which is the same thing uh typically you are a black man at a black university and so that's your kind of experience and how you 
I love my Omega men, like, but that's a whole other topic. Um, anyway, (laughs) no, but so I was, so I was talking to, um, a couple of friends, uh, I think just this week. And one of my girlfriends, um, she was like, this is why, you know, when we go to our central like state homecomings and all this stuff, it is, it means so much to us. It is not just a, you know, college reunion or whatever she said, because we get to just be us for a fucking weekend. Oh my goodness. And, you know, and I witnessed that with Daryl that he would code switch and we would talk about it. I mean, it was, it, I mean, because when you, when you live with someone and when you're, you know, just around people that you love, or if you're friends with people, like if you haven't noticed this happening, you're not that good a friend, let me mm-hmm. tell you. But, you know, I would ask him like how, like, because I have on a very small scale, when you go into a work meet now, listeners of the show know that I am just like very raw balls deep no filter on this show. My family is not allowed to listen to this show because I do not speak to my family in this way because I respect them way more than to tell them about my escapades on the weekends. I would like listeners to know though, because I have heard some white people and I am calling out white people left and right right now, because when white people get in a room together and they try to have their little KKK bonfires, like I am not about to have that and I will shut you the fuck down and I will expose you. So here I am. Anyway, people will try to use that as an excuse saying like, well, that's just personality differences. When you're with your friends, you act a certain way. When you're with your family, you might act a little different. Mm-hmm. That is not Mm-mm. code switching to uh, in, the, in the way that we are speaking of right now. Right. We are talking about active not at all. energy. No. And everyone does that. Like the, what, the, what yes. you're describing, yes. everyone does, right? Like, Going like like saying like being being nicer or more gentle to your grandparents because they're old yes. and they may not so you lower your voice so that yeah. you speak softer to them. That that you don't normal, say fuck shit, right? damn. But this is right. This is right. This is race based yes. code switching. Like and and that so that's the nature of it. Uh, it is the fact that like and to be clear, I code switch even with my white mm. friends, not even in. Like a professional environment. Like if I was going to a bar uh, with my white friends, I know that I'm still with white people. So like even if I'm in a in a public setting, it doesn't matter where you are. Or it's not mm-hmm. just like a work thing. It is oh, white people are around and you're in the minority. You need to code switch. Like you need to keep it white palatable in that way. Like it needs to be something. And we will even say, let's say that there's a group of me or four or five of my black friends and we're going to what is predominantly like a white bar or white space. I literally will say to them before we go, I'll say, okay, so y'all know we're about to go in here. Don't don't start no shit, won't be no shit. Like we I mean, were laughing, but it's not funny. Together, <laughs> right. Yeah. Keep it cute. It, but, no, but but it's I mean so it and this is a very real thing. Like I'll say like, all right y'all, like there are no white people in here, like do not be yourself, okay? Like, be nice, be sweet, like, be kind, like, let's go in, let's have a good time, and let's leave. Which means, if you would normally step a little too far out of line, don't do that anymore because they're white and they, and they might not like mm-hmm. you. And you can mm-hmm. weaponize white. And so, like, so let's let's have a good time, but only a good enough time where the white people are not going to be, like, scared by a good time because they're already inherently scared of us as black people, which is a whole other conversation. Uh, like, white people being scared yeah, of, of black. Uh, but... Yeah, like it is, 
it's something that we do all the time. It's something that I do all the time. It, even having white friends, like, so it's like I. So in in college, you would say our school is mostly was it mostly white? It looks like Hispanic. Would you say white and Hispanic? Yeah. Okay. So point is not black for sure. And the thing about it is there, there's a distinction between black and and people of color that also exists. Um, and this is it's not the same thing, right? Like you can be Hispanic, but my plight of being a black man is not the plight of a Hispanic man because just because we're both, we're both of color. I am a black man in America and that's still a different experience. But anyway, I'm saying that even in college when I was around people that I knew, right? Years, even my, my best friends in college were white. That means that I am code switching every moment that I'm awake with you. I'm already in that. Like, so you may hear me, let's say if we, if we live together, you may hear me talking to my mom on the phone in my room. And it's like, oh, my kid doesn't really sound that way when he talks to me. And then I hang up and I come out and now I'm back to the Micah that you always knew. But that's because I was in a safer space with my mom. Like, because she's Black and not because she's my mother. This is race-based, right? So I'm able to speak more confidently and casually, more cavalier in how I speak with them because white people have this inherent, actually, fear of Black people oftentimes. And I guess now I kind of would like to ask you guys where they where you think that comes the from. The fear of black people. Yeah. Uh, oh. I mean, you probably don't have it because my... you dated a black person. Shut the fuck up. Like, listen, no, no. I'm saying I'm not. I'm not. He's not my scapegoat to this. I learned. I learned a lot dating him, and he, we went to the same high school, by the way, the same racist high school that we mentioned earlier. And he was the captain of the football team. Him and his sister were the only two black people in our school. And he got, I mean, he had some fucked up okay. shit that, um, I don't know that, you know, his family would, would, um, care for me to share on the air, but he was the victim of racism at that school and a lot of other, and a lot of other places. What I will say is that I do, you know, when I lived in Colorado and I've moved here, I jokingly, but very seriously say like, I miss the soul of like Cleveland. Like I miss being around like that community because it's, but that's a whole nother fucking topic. My, I can only speak from my experience. I can't speak for Allie. But my experience of why white people fear black people is because that's what we've seen on the fucking news. I was going to say like societal v- views and like what we've been seeing in movies and things like that growing up. Totally systemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I would say because of um, between the books that I read, the movies I watched, what was on the news um, in my community, the way that it was communicated that anyone that wasn't white was, but especially black people. Like um, I grew up outside of the city. So it was like, if you went to the city, like you got to be careful. Like you got to be this. Luckily, my mom lived in the inner inner city of Cleveland. Mm. My dad lived on the farm. So I had like both ends of the spectrum but I remember when people would be like, oh, you're going to Cleveland this week? Or like, you're going to see your mom this weekend? Like, you better be careful. You better watch out for this. You better watch out for that. And it was like. And, and does that really mean watch out for the black people or what? Yeah, like, let what me be that? more specific. I'm glad you said that. Um, I remember specifically people saying that they thought. I remember people thinking at that high school that I was like going to Cleveland to do drugs. Um, first of all, let me back up. The thought was that the city was full of black people, that Cleveland was like, that's where the black people lived. 
and in the suburbs is where okay. the white people or other mm-hmm. non-black people lived. So they didn't have to say, first of all, like the N-word was like prevalent out there and it was disgusting, but they wouldn't even say like, watch out for a black person or watch, like they didn't have to, like it was like, I knew what they were saying, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like I knew when they said, um, okay. be cautious walking at night, whatever, like, I don't know. Like I just, it was part of my like upbringing. That's it's so fucked up, but it's true. Like I just knew. No I, I don't know. Allie, what was, cause you lived in basically in Cleveland, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I grew up going to your house and it, I didn't really, if, I didn't really give it too much of a second thought, I guess. Like going to your house, I was never really like nervous. Oh, well, okay. So, so when I was 14 is when my mom moved us to Cleveland in the inner, like in the city. Um, so to give perspective okay. to what she's saying. Um, but no, but I mean, even, even being in Lakewood, like you, cause you went to like an all Catholic girls school, mm-hmm. which was pretty much all white. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember growing up, I went to like a private grade school and there was a black family that went to the school, but they were there for such a short time because I think it's because so many people in that school community, like that's just what they talked about. I just remember, I just remember growing up being like, what the fuck? (laughs) I didn't, I I don't know. No, it's okay. But that was my experience with it. I mean, but, and like you were saying earlier, like, it's not like, it's not our fault because that's just that how I was brought up was in that community and wasn't educated, I guess. Right. Uh, I think what's interesting too, to me, like about the fact that white people are scared of black people, which I think is a very, it's like, it's such a big, that's probably an even bigger conversation that we are not having. Uh, I think we've had a lot of, a lot of difficult conversations in these past weeks, especially in private and public with white people, with black, white people and black people together. But I do not often find myself asking the question, why are white people scared of black people? Because I think that's where it starts. Like, I, there is this, I mean, I, I have a dog, right? So if I walk my dog, I oftentimes will notice a white woman may cross the street when she sees me approaching her. I don't know if she's really doing it because I'm, I'm black, because I'm a man, because I have a, a dog that she may that mm-hmm. she may find scary to her, but I also think to myself, it probably could be that if if a white man was walking my same dog, she probably feel a little more comfortable. She may still be scared, she may still feel like oh, like I kind of want to cross. But I sometimes think that me being black is like such a people are just white people are just so often scared of my presence. And the funny thing is, black people are not new to white people, so like I don't get why there's this oh, I just don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And it's like, you right. act like we just got here. Like, you, you, you act like you haven't had access to us your entire life. Like, or you act, like, you act like you can't engage with us or we don't speak the same way you do. Like, or you can't understand. Like, there's no, we don't have like a language barrier. Like, it's not like we're Spanish speaking and you guys all speak English and we're just trying to make it work. Like, we live in the same communities. Like, I go to Target, you go to Target. You know what I mean? Like I go to the same Wendy's you go to. But when it comes to talking and being comfortable around one another, it's like, hmm. Black people are scared of white people. Guess why? Because you can weaponize your whiteness. Mm-hmm. Like that's why we're scared of, of white people. 
So why would white people be scared of black people? Because white people are historically a lot more dangerous as a culture to black people than black people True. have been to white people. True. I mean, everything you're saying is 100% accurate. And I'm sitting here like racking my brain to figure. And I'm going to actually share a story that, <laughs> sorry, family, but I'm keeping it real. But like, I remember growing up, I, and, and Allie keeps referring to a previous episode that we had had, I think it came out, what, Allie, two months ago? And we had a, a um, similar yet very different conversation about um, diversity and race and uh, with my mom on the show. But I remember as a kid telling me that like black people were, I can't, I don't remember specifically, but in my mind that they were like dirty or like I shouldn't engage with them. I remember um, I had uh, a good friend in elementary school and I remember being afraid to hold her hand because it was different, a different color. And that because like, I don't remember if he sat me down. I mean, you know, I'm a kid, but I remember specifically that it came from that household and and I don't know why, but what the fuck? I mean, that's first grade. I was what, five or six? And I remember going to my mom because I had inv- I wanted to invite her to my sleepover. And I was like, can I invite her to my sleep? And my mom, just for new listeners and for you, Micah, like my mom and dad are different ends of the spectrum of life. My mom's like- Totally different. Peace, love, hippie, loves everyone. And my dad is not. <laughs> and I don't talk a lot about him on the show because our show is usually not about putting people on blast. However, it's the truth. Um, Got it. So I, so my mom was like, Lindsay, who gives a shit? She didn't say, but you know, she was like, Lindsay, this is not an issue. Do you like her? Like she walked me through, like, what do you like about her? All this stuff. And it was, she was like, so because of her skin color, you're afraid the other kids are going to make fun of you. You're afraid to touch her. What? And I was just like, I don't know. I'm just confused. Am I allowed to invite her? And she's like, yes, you're allowed to invite her to the sleepover. That doesn't matter. But what the fuck at five or six years old am I asking these questions for? So imagine then if I'm thinking this at five or six, what happens to the people that that, those conversations are perpetuated. They are watching the news. They are in movies and books or whatever. Imagine then at 16, 17, they just automatically assume that every um, black person is going to harm them or there's something different or wrong about it. Then I don't know. I, I, I hate to say that I feel lucky because I did have that balance and I did have a mom and I was able to ask questions and I was able to have a balance and then eventually, you know, be on this journey that I am to continue learning but I don't have the word. I mean, it's so fucked up. It's just so fucked up that I can only be happy that the conversations are happening and that now movies that are coming out, books they're, and music, whatever, are shifting. They're not there for sure. So that kids don't have the same experience I did, that it would be a non-fucking issue. But it's not right now. It still is. Well, Lindsay, I kind of, I grew up in the kind of environment that your mom set for you because I mean, like I said before, I wasn't surrounded by a very diverse group of people going to an all like a private Catholic school growing up, but I was taught from a very early age that cut us all open. We all look the same. So like it, 
there's no, you don't single out people just because of what they look like. No matter if you're white, black, different colored, straight, gay, whatever. I was always taught to just treat people as equal. I think there's also, there's something to be said as well, like about the fact that, that, and this is not me, like I'm not attacking mm-hmm. what you just said, Ali, like as if you shouldn't have said it. However, there's something that also should be said about the fact that people like to throw diversity or things that are different all into this one path. Like, so it's like, oh, you can be, you can be black, you can be right. gay, you can be a different religion, you can be, and it's like, but black is not the same thing. A- absolutely. Thing. Like, and so, and, and it's a really important distinction because I, because gay people are not marginalized in the way that black people are. You know what I mean? Like people may not like them still, that kind of, and that may be another conversation to have. However, even though we have, uh, we've othered gay people as well in the same, in the same way that we've othered black people, the experiences right. are still not the same. Absolutely. Like, not. so it, in this, and there's no stigma associated with being gay where people are, are scared. Totally. Like, and that's what right. it is for police. Like police are scared of black people, which is, which is why they kill us because they can't trust that, that we are, I guess, not going to kill them first, but it's like, <laughs> uh, right. that was never a thing. Like, you, you were killing us, remember? Mm-hmm. Like, you enslaved us. Like, the criminals here are you. So so why would you... Well, there's a movie for your listeners and maybe for you guys, too. There's a movie called 13th, which is based on the 13th Amendment. Uh, and everyone should know that that mm-hmm. abolishes slavery. That's what that did. <laughs> if you did not know, just don't tell anybody you, you didn't know that. And then just go in from now on. Remember that. But, and I'm saying it because I'm sure there are white people that don't right. know because it doesn't apply to you. So you're like, oh, okay, that, that was just a thing. That's one of the amendments. I don't know. Anyway, so the 13th Amendment abolished slavery, except for in the cases of punishment. And that's like specifically in the 13th Amendment, right? So the problem is that Black people were a part of the, a huge workforce, quote unquote, by being slaves. Like economically, we were, we were very important to the makeup of the country. So then once slavery was abolished, you lost all of that quote-unquote workforce, like essentially all at once, so to speak. However, they needed the workforce back because that obviously affected the economy. So then they legalized slavery in the form of punishment. And so the 13th documentary, what that will show you is that like, first of all, police started up as slave patrol. So that's, I think, why we have a huge problem already when it comes to the police, because they were not designed for, to, to save us. They were designed literally to like hunt black people. Black people were jailed for years for things like loitering and things like littering because they needed us. Once they jailed us, mm-hmm. then they could enslave us again and make us work. So this inherent like fear of black people is actually laughable to me because I'm like, I literally say my black friends all the time. And I, I guess I think that I'm in a space on this podcast where I can be a little more cavalier and, and Please. talk a little more freely. 100%. But it's like, but it's like I, I always say like, oh, like white people, like you guys, will, you, you steal continents, you steal cultures, you steal hairstyles, you yep. steal food, you steal like traditions and customs and beliefs and call them your own. And you call it American instead of what it actually, it's like, but then there's this big fear of black people when it's like, you guys are way worse than what we are. Like, what, what have we done to white people other than be black? Be born. 
the only culture that white people have is that which was appropriated. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I mean, this gets so deep into the system, which is what frustrates me when people try to deny that it is not a systemic problem is because in, in the documentary 13th, I think it came out a couple years ago. I haven't watched it um, since, but I am going to rewatch it. Um, but I think it, it, it even talks about how the um, judicial system is set up oh my God, against yes. black yes. people. I mean, the fucking statistics show it. And so again, yeah, Bill Clinton even said himself like, the, Oh yeah. Sorry, you guys. Like I supported this crime bill and I realized that it had a large negative impact on black people. But guess what? That's all he said was, Oh, I'm sorry. Right. Because, well, right. Because that's that, all we that have doesn't to bring do. back the fathers. That, that doesn't bring back the fathers that are still in jail mm-hmm. for, for, for marijuana. Right. Like when the white person would have said, they would have just said, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Or we'll put it away or, or go home. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, so I think that black people, like I actually would recommend that that is a good place to start is for white people to learn. Because I think that if you watch 13, what it does is it educates you on it because it's all fact, right? And I think fact is, is more easily swallowed than opinion, especially when it comes to why I'm trying to, why we are trying to show white people why we are not, why we are not the enemy. But it's like, if you see, by watching that documentary, you see why it appears that Black people are more, quote-unquote, violent. Or why it appears that more Black men just choose to be criminals, right? Or why it appears that more Black people just do more drugs. But all those things are not really accurate. It's just the way that the system is designed. And there's mm-hmm. a quote that I saw over the, over the past, like, two weeks. And it says, the system is not broken. The system is working flawlessly. Mm. And it's so, I saw that for the first time and I was like, oh my God. Like I've been saying for decades that the system's broken. And it's like, no, it's not. Like it is absolutely doing exactly what it's supposed to do to, what it's, to who it's supposed to do it to. Yeah. It preserves white people and whiteness. And anything else that's not that is, is shoved away or, or put somewhere else where it's not given the time or attention that it needs. And then... Once it rots, we wonder why you aren't taking better care of it. That's like, yeah, because that's like, that's how the system works. Because white people don't take ownership. That's not, mm-mm. we're not wrong. Yeah. Because we're entitled. And the guilt that you guys are feeling now, this is just the beginning of the guilt that you have to, that you used to have yet to feel. Because, again, like, it's so funny, even when we watch things like, like, what, do, you, do you guys have any favorite old movies? Favorite, like, like I mean, old, like, like fifty plus years. Yeah, old. like Breakfast at Tiffany's is my favorite movie. Okay, and so that is beautiful that you get to have that as your favorite movie. Yep, that would never be a black person's favorite movie because it's a period piece. In any period piece, does not reflect us in a positive light. Mm-hmm. So just think about that experience. Like, I can't even really like. I, I can't even say, oh, I love movies from the 1950s or 60s because Black people were, are never going to be painted in a positive light. Yeah. Wow. When I watch a period piece, it's always like, oh, okay, this is before or after slavery. That's the first question I ask. Oh, okay, this is before or after Jim Crow. Okay, oh, okay, this is before or after segregation. Like, it's all, that's all it is. Like, for me, it's just trying to figure out what, which box it fits in. How offended will I be looking at this? Mm. Will, we, will we be the help? Will we be slaves? 
will we be being being beaten and tortured and sprayed by water hose by fire hoses? Like like where will black people be in, in this society? Will it be illegal to marry a white person in this society? Will it be that we are being unfairly targeted for like in our inner, inner city communities and being dragged off to jail for nonviolent offenses for 10, 15 years? Like like what is it? Where will black people be in this movie? And that's just again an example of being black in America. I have absolutely no idea what the fuck that feels like. No yeah, clue. Like, what a privilege! And the thing is, for our listeners, do you hear that? Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. white privilege right there. It is literally everywhere. Like it is. It's it's that you can go into a a bookstore, and if you want to find a book that's like based on historic history, and and you want to see it based on white people. You can pick any book, right? Like you don't have to to look for your history somewhere. Yeah, true. It is if you want to pick a card for a little girl that has a little girl on it. She's mm-hmm. a white girl. It's gonna mm-hmm. be easy for you to find a card with the white girl on it. Mm-hmm. Didn't even think like, of that. If you want, yeah. If you want to, if you want a hairstyle to take to your hairstylist, and you want to say, "Oh, let me look up, look at some hairstyles," you can easily Google it, and you're gonna see plenty of white ones. Like your go on Pinterest. Yeah. Right. I can't follow along that right. one, but yes. <laughs> and and then people say stuff like, oh, well, I don't believe in affirmative action and, and we should just have the same advantages and we should be given the same opportunities because we're all the same. It's like, what we need to realize is that we're not. Yeah, like, stop no shit, that. we should like, all we have that. The but the reason that yeah, there is affirmative action is because it's not. And think about it. Like, if we're both... The example that I've been giving to a lot of white people over the past two weeks is like running a race. So let's say that we are both about to run a race. Let's say this is just black people and white people, right? So let's say that white people are, they say you can go and then black people are held back for 30 seconds before we can go. Let's say it's like we're driving, okay? So you leave an hour before I do, okay? And then I leave an an hour after you. We are both forced to travel at the same speed right Mm -hmm. who will get there first person that left first which is the white person it is yes and and they will get there first and so that the a part of that like rationale behind the fact that we need like equality is not what we're looking for we need equity and so now the difference between the two is that oh Equality would say, okay, Micah, don't worry. I'm going to give you a car that also goes just as fast as the white person's car. But just as fast is already be- still behind because they had an advantage already. Mm-hmm. So, so I, my car needs to go faster so I can catch up. Mm-hmm. But that is scary to white people because guess what? Now, we were always taught growing up, oh, you want to go, go get a good job, good education so you can get ahead in life. Well, what is, well who are we getting ahead of? Like what get ahead, what am I what what or who am I getting ahead of? The mm-hmm. people that aren't doing as good as I am. So now it's based in not doing your best. It's just doing better than what everyone else is doing. But again, how am I supposed to get ahead if I got an, if I got an hour start after you did and my car only goes just as fast as yours is? You can actually take your time. Mm-hmm. You, you don't even need to to go as fast as you can. Because you'll still get there first, because your your head your head start was so far in advance that it doesn't matter. I can burn out. 
but a white person or white society looks behind them and says, why are you way back there? You should work harder. Uh, you should drive faster. You should pick yourself up. You should, you should just focus. You should just put your nose, nose to the ground. Just do the work because you can get where I am too. No, I cannot. And yeah. you kind of touched on it, like the mental health then at that point, because of the black person yeah. that's so fucking burnt out that's working 24 yeah. seven to get there. And the white person has time to breathe, has time to go to therapy, has time to fucking do whatever. Mm-hmm. And on one of your posts, Micah, you actually said, um, someone made a com- white woman, I believe made a comment about working essentially that black people just need to work harder. And that is such I believe that that comes down to yes. a racist statement there. And you mm-hmm. said, and I actually copied it here in my notes. Um, you said hard work and perseverance does not change privilege. Placing the burden back on black people is part of the problem rather than the solution of how to stop white cops from killing black people. Yeah. In that context. And, that's what, and, the funny, and the reason I said that to her is also because, I mean, to be very clear, I have, I am who I am today because I saw what kind of black I could be in life. Hmm. Like I was given the only black people that were doing, I guess, quote unquote, well in life were the ones that were buttoned up that found ways to operate and exist within white spaces uh, that, that were pretty palatable, if you will, that, that assimilated and acted like white people would act because that's how you had to kind of like get under the radar, if you will. But also, it's important to acknowledge in this conversation, too, that my specific experience, I am also a Black gay man, and that makes me even more palatable. So a, like a, a heterosexual Black male would not be given the same opportunities that I've been given just because I am also gay. And white women specifically find Black gay men typically like endearing, fun, friendly, relatable. And so if I've had a white woman as a boss, they always love me. Like older white women always love me because it's like, oh my, oh my God, he's so, so this and so that and so, ooh, so ah. Because you're not, because you, you don't, you don't fear me because you feel like I'm not dangerous because you feel like I am soft in that way, like you are. And so that's why you allow me to be closer to you in that way. Oh my God. I'm guilty of this. 100%. Mm-hmm. You just yeah, spoke to me. Sure. It's all these things. It is all these things. And it's, it's a mess. Like, and that's so, there are a few things, cause we haven't really spoken a lot and I apologize for this on like actual Black Lives Matter issues. Right. But this, this is, this is one conversation of thousands that would need to be had yes. because understanding does not come from one, from one conversation. Right. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't come from, from 20 years of having a black best friend. Like, it is literally every day. It's it's every single day working towards when you say when you do things like subconsciously gra- grab your purse or move to the opposite end of the street or take a step back. Like it's why did I just do that? Who am I, what, what was that for? What was I scared of? Like what was my reasoning for doing that? Uh, yeah. But to, to to kind of tie it back to Black Lives Matter too, I've made a few friends over the past several days in protesting. They've all been white but it's been mostly black people protesting. That's because the white people have been out there looking for someone to actually like to help them and for someone to be able to relate to that is black and I am the most palatable to them. 
And so they found themselves drawn to me. But this one guy, he's like, oh my God, we should totally hang out. And I'm like, hang out? We aren't really, like, we aren't, we aren't friends. Like, mm-hmm. like, but I think it's because, and, and to be clear, I said, absolutely, we should, because I think that we should. Um, like exposure is one of the best ways mm-hmm. to really become comfortable and accustomed to, to being around people that are different than you, which is a whole other conversation that we can have another time too. But would love to. Yeah, like there's a there's a plight of of black people. The biggest, most unfair part about this whole conversation that I will scream just a hill that I will stand on to the day that I die is that black people recognize and white people are finally becoming aware of the fact that we are being killed at a higher rate than white people are by the police, right? And that there's all these other systems that at their core function, we are disadvantaged. However, the burden is that white people actually cannot do it on their own because you don't know what it's like. Right. So even though we, it is not our job to educate you and to teach you and to show you, at some point we still have to say, okay, Micah, this is a white person that wants to get to know you. You already know that they may be scared of you inherently, not because of who you are as a person, but because of what they believe about Black people. So what that means is that for a good amount of time in the beginning of the friendship, you're going to have to dumb down your Blackness or dial down your Blackness. Whoa. You're going to have to be, pal- you're going to have to be palatable to them. And then over time, I can take off the training wheel, so to speak. And over time, I can become more and more my Black self because then it's not scary to you already. So now I can take off another layer of that armor. Mm-hmm. Because right now it's like, I am like, you need to, you don't, you don't know me well enough. And there's parts about me that you might find, let's use the negative stereotypes, aggressive or loud or brazen or whatever that may be. Uh, but I know if the goal is really, really, really truly for us to all live harmoniously, that work cannot, it still has to be shared between white and black people. And that's the fucked up part too, is that after all these years, you're telling me that I still have to do more work to help white people. It is unfair. Like, it's just unfair. And it, and it, and it is what it is. And it's going to be that way because there's no other way around it. Mm-hmm. But, but there are, there are just like, so it's, it's very hard to have a conversation about what can white people do. Because it's like everybody, it's all, it's going to be different for every, every person too. What Lindy can do and what Allie can do are different than what Erica or Sarah can do. Mm-hmm. Because also of your access and proximity to Black people. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, first thing I want to say is that you do not need to apologize for anything because you apologized earlier about not talking about the Black Lives <laughs> Matter Oh, I'm probably always going to do that. I, I, it is just a thing that I, I, I can't even help it. It's like when people, when, when women say sorry a lot in the workplace, yep. it's the same thing. Like, Got I, it. <laughs> it, yeah. Got yes. it. Yeah. Well, on, on this show, we are just authentically whoever the fuck we are and who we show up as. And I want you to know in general that with me and with our friendship or any time that you're on this show, which I welcome and hope that you choose to um, come back. But, um, you know, if not, that's okay too. No, I would love, I mean, I would love to come back. I think that there's a lot of conversations that need to be had and people aren't going to have them. Yes. Like, and you can't have them alone. Yes. Like white people can't talk to white, can't talk to white people about it. 
Okay. And so I want, I want you to know that with me specifically as well, I welcome pushback. I welcome you to challenge and, um, and, and, and all of my friends know this about me because I I always want to be better and I always want to learn, but also especially about this topic, because I know that our listeners are, are thinking the same shit that probably I might be or Allie might be, or you might be Micah. Mm -hmm. And without you pushing me back and some listeners might listen and be like, I would have called that bitch out on like something, this or that or whatever. So I welcome that. I just, um, I know we didn't get to create that space before um, because we kind of like jumped back and, you know, jumped in, threw you in. Right. I'm in the call. Um, But I do appreciate you voicing your thoughts, your fucking experiences of, I actually don't know how old you are, but I'll say 30 years. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I, and I, and I can only hope that conversations like this are a part of the change and a part of the growth. And I'd like to say to our listeners that supporters, allies, anyone in the community we do need to get to the polls in the 2020 election to build that collective power mm-hmm. and ensure candidates are held accountable for the issues that systemically and disproportionately impact black and underserved communities across the nation. And what I just said was 100% pulled from the Black Lives Movement website. So I'm not taking credit for that, but I am going to repeat it as much as I can and be here to, to support and however I can. And I'm going to fuck up and I'm going to, you know... Um, say things that people are going to disagree with. So uh, we want listeners to continue hitting us up on the stop signs, our optional Instagram page. We do have the Gmail account. And as always, you can call, text, leave a voicemail at 407-434-0493. And Micah, do you want to plug any of your social media? Or if not, that's cool too. Uh, Well, Okay, because I trust your audience, uh, I'm going to like do or say this. And listeners, I'm being genuine when I say this. Uh, I'm going to put myself in a, in a, I guess, an advisory position, if you will. So like, I know that there are white people listening that probably don't have a black person they can talk to, like, or are scared of a black person and want to ask a question, but they feel like they're really nervous about the response and they, and they want to ask a question that might be sensitive without somebody like coming back at them and being like, whoa, like you're an idiot or you can't say that. Like if you need a safe space to ask a question that is not a quote unquote good question to ask somebody who is black, you can ask me. Like That's awesome. So my, um, my Instagram is the word Mr. So M-I-S-T-E-R dot Anderson. Um, it's open. You can DM me. You don't need to follow me first. Like, do not follow me to make yourself feel better by asking a question either. Like, you don't, that's fine. You don't, you don't have to appear to be my friend just to ask a question. Like, I get it. I will address you as such, as friendly as I, as need be. And I think that it's, it's just a part of a much larger conversation. And this really needs to be the beginning of it, uh, which is why I'm also saying, please ask those questions if you have them, because I, I, I genuinely do like having the discussions because as unfamiliar as you may be with black people, I'm also that same kind of unfamiliar with white people about this stuff because we don't talk about it. So it's like, let's talk about it. Yeah, let's but, get uncomfortable. But if you have to filter it, sorry, I just thought about this part too. And I, I don't mean to take away from what um, engagement you guys may be receiving. So maybe they oh. should send it to you guys and you guys send it to me. I don't know. Like, I'm up to whatever. We don't, we don't, <laughs> we don't need anything. 
this is all about, you know, the only thing I would say is that Micah, if you're not comfortable with getting that, we can filter it through for you. Um, that's for sure. But no, if listeners, if you're comfortable oh, no, with them I, reaching I'm, out. I'm black, I'm black in America. Don't worry. Once you're black <laughs> in America, you're accustomed to a whole bunch of shit. So mm-hmm. like. Sad statement. W- whatever. I've. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And, so don't and uh, listeners, as always, you can also send those questions our way. Whatever people are comfortable with. As always, we are a non-judgment zone, safe space. And we try to keep things as deliciously weird as possible and you know most of this show was a lot of joking laughing being silly talking about the shit that we all go through that no one wants to talk about and guess what today's show is no fucking different because we talked about shit that people go through that we have no fucking idea about or maybe you are living this life yourself so um i appreciate micah you being here offering very much your your story and your fucking perspective is just amazing like i i would like some offline time with you um (laughs) as well but we welcome you back and um mention as we mentioned earlier in the show before you hopped on that we would like to dedicate um we don't have an identified timeline i hate to say like this week we're going to offer our platform for any um black person that would like to come on as long as it fucking takes like we're just going to keep doing this um we have a couple other shows we're going to do um so if you want to hop on and be a part of those too, whatever. Yeah, I mean, it can be a series for like it. Like I think that it's 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 again it is the beginning of a conversation. So no, none of us know how to do this yet. Yeah, right. Right. Like we'll we'll have to, we'll have to figure it out because it requires collaboration. And it's going to require a lot of time and energy, but we'll, we'll get it. Can we call this series a Black Man in America? Oh my goodness, you can call it whatever. Just put black in there somewhere. That's all I mean. <laughs> That's all that matters. Got it. Got it. Well, as always, um, all the love to our listeners and Black Lives Matter.